Have you ever wondered why very intelligent, highly successful women seem to always have difficulties in their relationships? It's kind of uncanny, and for sure it is a pattern, and there actually is an answer to it. And today, we're going to be talking about that. You're listening to Straight from the Psychologist's Mouth, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome. It's February. Let's do this podcast. I figured to kick off February, let's talk about love. (laughs) Well, let's talk about romance and let's talk about why, at least why Dr. Natalie thinks most successful women seem to have a struggle in that particular part of their life. It's not all successful women, but you know yourselves out there. You're smart you're driven, you accomplish things in your vocations that are just uh, astronomical. Like you will take on any goal, create any goal and knock her down every single time. So you know who you are. You're highly successful in what you do for a living. And yet there's this little sticking point. The relationship part of your life has always had a rocky up and down, right? You you haven't seemed to be able to dial that particular thing in. Now you may be in a relationship now. You may be, you know, twice divorced like myself or <laughs> have had some major breakups. You're definitely though somebody that if she looked back over her life can say at least your inside voice to yourself, because sometimes we don't want to admit this to other people. You can say, though, that you've had a rocky time of it, and it really does bug you. You're a really smart woman. So what is it? What is happening, Dr. Natalie, that I can't seem to dial that part of my life in quite the way that I'd like to? Well, I'm going to walk you through some different pieces of science that might speak to at least one aspect of why women who tend to be on the successful side also tend to have a more difficult time with relationships. We'll talk a little bit about the neurotransmitters that are involved. So these are the chemicals that make us feel good that are already in our body. And obviously falling in love feels good, right? Well, that's oxytocin. There is this 
neurotransmitter that creates new pathways in our brain that say, hey, this relationship is good and this is what I should expect in this relationship that are all bound by the system of oxytocin. So oxytocin is um, evolutionarily, it was created to help us feel like we belong, like we're with our people, we're with our tribe. What's better than that, right? I mean, I know that everybody has some part of this feeling. If you haven't fallen in love, you've certainly cuddled up with a cute little puppy, or even when you just start to watch uh, on the internet and you see, you know, those cute little kitty videos or, you know, a little kid doing something just silly and it just makes you feel good on the inside, that's oxytocin. So it is our social chemical and its evolutionary purpose was to keep us with one another. We want to belong. We are wired to be with one another. We want to be loved. We want to feel heard and seen and understood. And that is really the purpose of this chemical because Honestly, guys, we're not the fiercest of the animals on this planet, and we never would have survived had we not learned how to get together, right? So this is that chemical that facilitates that process. So what happens after we fall in love, though, right? I mean, all of us also know there tends to be this period where you kind of adjust and the honeymoon is over and you're looking for a thrill here and there, right? You're looking for a little jolt. Oxytocin is strange. It wants to keep us in those relationships that are most essential. So, you know, your family, right? It wants to keep us bound to the people that are going to protect us and keep us safe. And yet there is kind of this lull once relationships are established where we can get bored with things. We can get, we can fall, we can fall out of love as it were. And it's more though that we, we love our people, we're with our people and we start to expect that our people will stay. So see the chemical itself is to establish and facilitate creating neural pathways of belonging. But once the belonging exists, then it's it's not coming out in the same way. It's not coming out with the veracity that it did when we fell in love, when we made the commitment with this person. And every time we have some sort of new thing that we're going to be doing together, it introduces another chemical into this little foray, and that is dopamine. So dopamine is a feel-good chemical that facilitates us finding what are the best decisions for us. So yes, it is in pursuit of an outcome and the drug or I'm sorry, the, the chemical as it, you know, as dopamine is also um, found in lots of different recreational drugs. So, but the, the chase is what creates the dopamine. So dopamine for us and the way we get stuck in looking for pleasurable things, but never feeling satisfied is by design. The, the, met, the, the evolutionary value of dopamine was to get us to repeat decisions that would bring good outcomes for us. And this is how it works. So when we're chasing something that we want, so let's say it's, you know, out on the savanna, you're chasing that gazelle because you want to eat, you have that dopamine rushing through your body and it facilitates feeling good about chasing this thing. All right. 
So what happens is once we get the thing, the dopamine goes away. Getting the thing is not the good decision that gives us that thing. Getting the thing is an action that dopamine reinforces. So we'll do it again and again and again. Now, this principle is playing out in lots of different ways in our lives, is it not? And when we get into relationships, it starts to play a part in how, we, you know, how invested we are in our relationships. So when there's stagnation, when things are just, you know, copacetic, there is a lack of a chase involved. And so we tend to create chases of sorts. <laughs> now, how does, what does this have to do with successful women? Maybe, maybe you're already putting some of this together, but what happens, I think, for successful women is that we are definitely dopamine junkies. Like we love to create new things, to chase, you know, after these good goals that we create for ourselves. Um, we're always looking for something that we are going to work on and we're going to overcome and we're going to beat it, you know, so well, we're going to do the thing so well, or meet the goal so well that it, that we look amazing. Right. And it's that chase that we really do get addicted to, by the way, dopamine is the neurotransmitter that really is highly um, involved in all addictive behaviors. So I'm not talking about just addictions to the drugs that manipulate that system, but anything that creates a pleasure, right? Then our dopamine starts to be released in pursuit of getting that pleasure again, getting that outcome again. And so addiction or the cycle of addiction is really the cycle of always in the chase and the outcome is not satisfying. So we think it's the outcome that we're chasing, but we're chasing the chase. Addiction becomes addictive because we keep in that addictive chasing cycle. So for women who are highly successful, they've learned kind of a, a like beautiful medium to this, you know, where dopamine really gets us going and gets us goal oriented and gets us to do accomplishments, but we never let the arrival at the goal be an end to looking for the next chase. And we've somehow created this balance, usually vocationally and, you know, in our education and such, that we have figured out how to always be on the chase, but have that be benefiting us, right? Now, sometimes that gets out of balance. And you know what I mean about that, too. I mean, highly successful women also have high rates of burnout, you know? After COVID, burnout rates for women rose they did not rise for their male counterparts as much. Um, burnout rates rose for those in managerial positions. They did not raise really um, pre-pandemic when we compare it to pre-pandemic. There wasn't a lot raised in just the general employee population, but in those that had supervisory managerial, especially management of people positions, that burnout rate went up. And what all those things tell us in a story. So data is just words on a page, right? It's just graphs on a page. It's things on a page that tell us a story. What's the story? The story here is that post-pandemic for women, for people in managerial positions, it 
became harder for us to sustain what we were doing for workload pre-pandemic and our pre-pandemic versions of self-care did not compensate enough. They did for our male counterparts. They did for employees that weren't, you know, overseeing anything like big projects or people. And what we're finding is then those folks are going into burnout faster. So highly successful women also very predisposed to having, you know, that addictive cycling happen in their pursuit of their goals and like, what's the next dragon I'm going to slay. And that when out of balance then can lead into the burnout syndrome cycle. And there's 12 stages to that, but that's not today's podcast. (laughs) So what we want to talk about today is now, how does this work then with relationships? Well, in relationships in general, not just for women that are successful, but for anybody in relationships, when we get to that kind of middle place where things are copacetic. I feel like I belong. So the oxytocin doesn't have to be released to facilitate the process of belongingness, right? There are two things that will charge us up in that relationship, more oxytocin, and there's ways that that starts to happen, or more dopamine, more pleasure principle related to that relationship, And here is where the rockiness comes in. So why is it that these women in these relationships see such a rocky pathway in their relationships? Because when they hit that copacetic baseline, there are some things that start to become the patterns that they chase or are participating in, and then ergo participating in their own rocky suffering in their relationships, because it's an addictive cycle and it's where they go because evolutionarily that's where they would go to get those two chemicals to make their relationship feel better. But the actual way it's playing out in the real world doesn't look good. That's the rocky part. So for instance, when we get into that copacetic place, one of the ways that oxytocin can be, um, in our body will just get released again is when a partner pulls away, right? When we feel that we don't belong or that they're rejecting us or avoiding us or abandoning us in some way, the body naturally gives you a big rush of oxytocin. So then we have this chase. We want to go after that person. And evolutionarily, that makes sense, right? If your people start to wander from you, the thing you need to do is get back in that tribe right away, or you'll be left alone in the desert or wherever, and you won't survive. So the evolutionary principle here is when our people leave or we don't feel like we belong, we get a shot of oxytocin to kind of generate the energy around chasing that relationship. So talk to me. (laughs) Of course, I'm the one that's talking to you on a podcast, but I want you to just like think out loud. If you're in your car, you can talk in your car. We sing in our car. Nobody cares. If you're just, you know, cleaning, going for a walk, whatever, listening to this podcast, I just want you to like, even in your inside voice, just talk to yourself for a second about what do you think is going to happen here? (laughs) You know? So there's this principle where we chase the relationship and that becomes. Um, you know, what better bonds us to the relationship for successful women, 
this becomes a cat and mouse game. And there can be this tendency to fall in love with the kinds of people that do kind of shut us off or shut us down at some point. So when we get to that place where we fell in love and it was the big rush and everything, you know, honeymoon's over now, everything is good. If that person starts to pull away in some capacity, we will chase them harder for that oxytocin jolt to the relationship, to feel like they love us, to feel like we belong. And already women who are highly successful are primed to want to do this kind of dopaminergic chase because don't think it's just oxytocin. Now, what women who are highly successful are seeing is, hey, here's one of those places where there's a goal and I could accomplish this and I'm going to I'm killing it. I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, that's my deal is that I chase after. So they're doubly attracted to the kinds of relationships where there's that cat and mouse game. And that can be one of the highlighting areas where there is rockiness in relationships for women that are highly successful. Well, dang, Dr. D- <laughs> Like, right. So you're talking to yourself out loud. Like, you know, you know, what's going to happen here. We're going to chase the bad guys. We're going to chase the bad girls. We're going to chase the relationship where somebody is going to be leaving us all the time. So that's not helpful. Right now. I can't speak to these. This really kind of is talking to this monogamous relationship. So I can't talk to polyamorous couples. It's not an area of my expertise. I am sure this principle though, plays out in a more complicated level in those relationships with women that are highly successful. But I know this to be true. Women who are highly successful have that dopaminergic addictive quality. They are always in for the chase. And in relationships, there is this place where when people pull back, we go in more. We're more all in. And those two things happening at the same time is a highly addictive cycle. So we like the fight because we want the makeup sex. We like the pulling away because we want to prove to ourselves mostly on a subconscious level, because you probably aren't real aware as a successful woman that you're doing this or you're a participant participant in it, but we will go for those kinds of relationships that are going to cause us distress because we like the chase of fixing that problem. We want to attack it. We're going to work on it. You are never going to find a woman who's highly successful that has a problem that she's not willing to try and fix. Never going to find her. Because she does not exist. If she is highly successful, one of the most adaptive skills that she's created for herself is that she wants that chase, that she knows that there's always something that you can fix with this. So here we are in this predicament where things that are valuable in one area of your life as a successful woman become vulnerabilities in another area of your life, relationships. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the couch from women just like yourself who figure this out with me in therapy and then are like, what do I do then? Like, what's the answer then? Because I'm not going to make myself not have this addictive 
chase mentality, it's so valuable to me as a high executive. It's so valuable to me as an entrepreneur or somebody that started my own small business, not giving up that that's a valuable skill set over there. So what we start with in general is two things, self-awareness, which I have courses on. And so if you go to learn to love your story.com and look up my courses, you will find I have those because having awareness of this in the first place is going to be very important. And I mean, having awareness about it at such a minute level that you start to notice the changes in your physiology. You start to notice you know, oh, I start thinking this way. I start feeling this in my body. I start to notice this dopamine release and oxytocin release and its combination and how that works. And so what I can do with my self-awareness is I can build and build and build my capability of seeing when this is coming and showing up to it differently. The other thing, though, that I always counterbalance this with is really good self-care and specifically self-care that is going to give you what you need with your oxytocin and your dopamine. All right. Dopamine is more of a short-lived pleasure principle chemical in our body. It kind of has a very short half-life, comes and goes really fast. But if what you're wanting is a chase in your relationship, there are ways to do that in healthy ways that don't have that person pulling away from you to prime that pump. And of course, you're going to want to work with your partner in this, but there are ways that you can, in your self-care, in your relationship care, come at it from, we need things. We need a chase that we're doing with one another or in pursuit of one another in some fashion. We're going to have to create that context, but create it in a healthy way because that helps me stay invested in this relationship. Otherwise, I get copacetic. I start to you know, put my mind more where chases are, which for successful women tends to be in their workplace. And then they're overworking and neglecting the relationship. So let's just put this principle into action. What's a way that you could do that with your partner? And, you know, one of the things is just having a creative outlet, a hobby of some kind, and you could be doing that for yourself and telling yourself, I'm doing this to satisfy my chasing need here in my home personal life so that I want to be, you know, with and belonging with my partner, but not necessarily waiting for them to diss me so I can go chase them. I'm not going to go overwork and then have them pull away from me. So then I want to chase back in. I'm actually going to build my self-care plan around having some sort of chase dopaminergic system activation in a creative project or, or a hobby or something of that kind. And that's how you would do it on an individual self-care level. On a relationship care level, you both could pursue something with one another. And this is why couples will find, hey, if they take a cooking class together or you know, they both uh, start to train for a marathon with one another or you know, something where they both are doing a creative activity kind of simultaneously, it, it's, it's not necessarily in an investment towards the relationship because they're doing a project that's outside the relationship, but they're doing it with one another. That kind of chase satisfies that dopaminergic system. And so it's a good, valuable care, self-care tactic for each of them. But if they're doing it 
together, they're activating the oxytocin. And so they're reinvesting in their relationship as long, at, at the same time that they're reinvesting in themselves. So that the need for oxytocin to be released, the need for dopamine, you know, chasing to be happening in your life together is happening when the two of you go out on a venture together in a creative activity. So simple, right? These principles really, when you come down to the chemical nature of what drives you and why you're doing what you're doing when you're doing it, really can create some simple solutions. They aren't great big deals. Here's the deal though. They do have to be done as a practice on the regular, right? You can't just expect your system one time when you do a creative project at home to correct this whole madness. It will not. You have some really like well-worn paths in your head. So well-worn neural pathways with that particular combination of the oxytocin chase because somebody pulled away from me. And I love a chase because I have this dopaminergic cycling that I love that benefits me in other parts of my life, but probably won't benefit me here if I'm trying to create a chase all the time. So if you're doing this, you're doing it with, that's why I pair it with that self-awareness. I, you're doing it with the awareness that you have this vulnerability and instead of letting it play out in the way that it will naturally start to subconsciously play out, you are putting yourself in the driver's seat and making empowered choices to do things differently so that you're getting that experience neurobiologically, but not in, in the environment of my partner has to pull away from me and not want me. And then, then I go and chase them. Do you see what I'm saying here? So it's a daily practice of knowing this about yourself and reinvesting in doing things in such a way that you get those neurobiological, neurochemical needs met, but you're not doing it at the detriment of your relationship or, you know, at the very least in creating that rockiness, that, that almost addictive quality to one another. There's also another element to this, and that is that it can really play out in any of us that have a tendency towards codependent relationships. And so what is a codependent relationship? Well, that cat and mouse, you know, cycle that I was talking about, there is definitely a quality of that at the heart of codependency. Now, the person that is, you know, traditionally considered the codependent person is one that is trying to fix another and they are kind of addicted to being the rescuer of a person that seems to be problematic. And so that is like at a clinical level, what I'm talking about here at a, at a more innocuous level. But for those of us that are, you know, highly successful women, we could have come out like myself of families where codependency was well-played and well-demonstrated to us. And women in general have some acculturated you know, socialized um, norms around being somebody that's always the rescuer and getting value, getting self-esteem, self-worth out of that chase. So there are ways in which that codependent cycle is also showing up in this. Again, not going to get into more detail than that in this podcast, but certainly, you know, in the comments, if this is something that codependency is something you want to hear about more, I'd be happy to speak about that specifically more. But for today, what we got at was why do women 
Why do women who are highly successful have these rocky relationships? Why does it seem to be a pairing? <laughs> so I explained that because there's this beautiful little chase that happens and successful women love a chase. And you set that up because you want that oxytocin when your partner pulls away and you love to be addicted to the chase of getting at them. You create an environment where that cycle is happening all the time. And the solution to that is use the underpinnings. The need is neurobiological. Your body doesn't give a crap the way that you get oxytocin or the way you get dopamine. It just wants it to be there. So if you want to chase in your life, now be intentional and create that chase within the context of your self-care and within the context of caring with your relationship with your partner at the same time. All right, everybody, this is a quick one, I know, but I've had a couple ones that were a little bit longer. So, you know, today was short and sweet as we start the shortest month of the year, February. <laughs> and as we go into a month about relationships and love and, you know, I, I don't know, it's also Black History Month and all sorts of things. But I know that everybody likes a little Valentine's Day jolt. And so I thought this could be useful in our start to February and we'll see where the rest of the month will go in my podcast. Again, if you like these, be sure that you're following me, um, that you're making sure to make comments because anything like that facilitates my podcast, getting out there to more people, please share these podcasts. If you know some successful, high, highly successful women who always are in pursuit of a goal, um, and you've seen them play out some pretty rocky relationships in their time. Hmm. Hmm. I would say this might be one that you might want to forward to them. So be well, everybody, and keep following here because I am going to keep teaching you how to learn to love your story. 